does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Kevin, I've got a trivia question for you. Okay. If you get this right, I'll be highly impressed. Oh, boy. Well, that's a big standard. I need Jake to think think that of me. Was watching my Birmingham Stallions USFL matchup last night. Uh-huh. Taking on the Pittsburgh Maulers. <coughs> Stallions quarterback Jamar Smith out for the year with a broken finger. His backup, and they're trying to get in rhythm. Stallions in a critical drive. Like a third and seven. Throws a slant to the receiver right in the numbers. I mean, right smack in the numbers. Right off the shoulder pad, right off the sternum. Incomplete. What former Colt draft pick wide receiver was it? Your guy from Clemson, right? Kevin Bowen. <laughs> Deion Kane, baby. Deion Kane. 20 touchdowns in three years at Clemson. Just kind of a wild stat. Dominated that first training camp, tears ACL, and the rest is history. Again, I, I always say, when I watched him at Clemson, made every impossible catch, dropped every sure one which is just the way it goes for some guys. Point, the reason I bring it up is because Josh Downs uh, did not appear to have Deion Kane tendencies at minicamp. Minicamp does not a training camp, does not a season make, does not a career make. But you like to see signs, and Kevin, give me your scouting from what you guys were able to see. First off, for those that are unfamiliar, take me through how much you saw, and then even at that, you can how it compares to other you, you know, other things that you've seen of players of the like ilk and how it compares. Yeah, so rookie minicamp, um, open media practices on Friday and Saturday, just over an hour, we were able to watch. Um, again, these are your draft picks, your undrafted free agents, and then a lot of tryout guys to try and field, you know, a 50-man practice roster so you can do some 11-on-11 stuff. It's not very extensive at all. I think Richardson... Friday, I want to say he only threw four balls in the 11-on-11 session. Um, And Josh Downs, based off resume, should be the best player on the field, and he was exactly that. Um, He's a guy that just, and Shane Sykin I thought described it pretty well um, over the weekend, of just there is a natural feel and just savviness to him as a route runner that you definitely see. I think over half of Richardson's completions on Friday were two downs. Um, so that obviously makes a whole lot of sense there. And for 5'8", and even watching him at North Carolina, and I don't know, he's probably listed a little bit higher than that, but I never felt like he was super restrictive in like his catch radius, if you want to use that that phrase. He made a couple of plays, I thought, where you know the ball necessarily wasn't thrown exactly on target, and he kind of reached up or, or, or made nice adjustments um, to haul in those passes. So... Um, for me, Josh Downs needs to be your slot, you know, starter. Uh, of course, we'll, we'll now, as the month of May moves along into June, get him into some veteran settings. You'll see how he reacts with those guys. But I thought he was easily the most consistent, productive player 
on the field. So much about quarterback receiver, you know, tandems becomes about timing. And if you are a quarterback drafted into the league, if you're a receiver who just got drafted, the first thing you want to know is who the other one is going to be and whether or not you can become that familiar Mahomes to Kelsey or Brady to Gronk type feel and, you know, cohesiveness and tandem. That's what you want. Josh Downs apparently was looking for that. He wasted no time asking Anthony Richardson if they could do a little throw around of the pigskin. Did it in the Colts parking lot, as a matter of fact. Question for Anthony Richardson. Did you think that was crazy that Josh Downs wanted to get in a throwing session? No, I didn't think it was crazy. You know, um, first day in, you know, we were going through medical and all that. I went in the equipment room and got a football so I can, you know, get custom with it, you know, fiddle it around a little bit. Uh, he saw me carrying it around. You know, I knew he wanted to work because he's a dog. He's going to want to work. Um, I think we had just finished, like, meeting or something, and he texted me. He was like, when we get to the hotel, you want to throw? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm down for it. So, you know, uh, threw the ball with him, you know, for like 30 minutes. We chopped it up, got to know him a little bit. But, you know, he's a dog. He's always ready to work. You know, Josh Downs, we had him on Friday. He shared that, that that story that him and Anthony had thrown the night before and getting ready for rookie minicamp on Friday. You know, a couple of things that stood out to me about Richardson, Jake, in watching him, I, the, the throwing motion is definitely not, like, awkward. I mean, it, it's a very natural-looking thrower. I would say more so than any quarterback I've ever seen practice. And, you know, covered the Colts now for 10 or 11 years, so whatever that number is. I have never seen a quarterback spend as much time in between reps mimicking a throwing motion or mimicking what the other QBs are doing. So the Colts had two tryout quarterbacks in this weekend. Strictly, I think, just to you know, not have Anthony Richardson throw his arm out, throwing to all these guys. And so there are a couple other QBs that Richardson would, would watch. And every single time he is standing behind the play mimicking what they are doing or that motion. And I think it's probably a couple of things. One, it just seems like this is something he does. I asked him about it on Saturdays ago. Yeah, it's just something that I like to do. Two, I mean, this is a guy that is trying to drill in some new fundamentals. He is a different, you know, operator as a quarterback than he was at Florida. Particularly, he used the phrase, speeding up his footwork. Um, he referenced an example like at Florida when they took a drop out of the shotgun, it would be a three-step drop. Well, now with the Colts, it's a five-step drop. So, like, those are some of the little, you know, details that are different for Richardson. Um, And he would do that on a, I mean, literally every single rep, he would do that. Um, I thought his accuracy was about what I would expect. Um, He definitely had moments where he was in a good, quick rhythm, wasn't holding on to the ball very long, and threw the ball on target. And he had a couple where... The big arm did not match, you know, where guys were from a timing standpoint at all. But I did have to laugh uh, sitting there watching Friday's practice. And who shows up? Tony Dungy walks out to practice. You look in the indoor facility, and they've got the big garage doors up, the indoor facility panning out to the outdoor. And there's Shaquille Leonard and Tyquan Lewis. Jake, I've been to a lot of rookie minicamp practices. Tony Dungy and Shaquille Leonard don't just show up for Sam Ellinger and Jacob Eason. Like, there is a... There is a feel of like we want to see what this kid can do, and clearly by you know one of the more accomplished veterans on the team and Leonard, and obviously Tony Dungy, um, all eyes wanted to get a witness of what Anthony Richardson looks like. Well, the question is going to be for Anthony Richardson. You know, there's going to be a lot, right? There's going to be a lot thrown his way. Different playbook, different play calls. 
as we have talked about a million times, that window closes a lot quicker in the NFL. When when to to use the the term from the gambler, you know, know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Know when to throw the ball. Know when to hold it. Know when to run. A lot going on for Anthony Richardson. Question for Shane Steichen. You know, he's seen young quarterbacks. He's seen Jalen Hurts. He's seen Justin Herbert. What kind of learner coach is Anthony Richardson? He's got a great presence about him. He's got a great bounce in his step. He's always smiling, always got great energy, enthusiastic. And I think when you have that, I think players around him will feed off it. But it's been really good to see. That's apparently Shane Steichen on what kind of learner Anthony Richardson is. I, listen, um, he's doing all the right things at this point, right? I mean, he's saying all the right things, talking about Anthony Richardson. He he, he is, at this point, it, it's one weekend, right? But it does appear to be a guy, like Jamarcus Russell, I think, was a player that right away, I think right away, people could tell, like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, this dude, as soon as he heard his name drafted, was done. Richardson seems to be the other way around. As soon as he heard his name drafted, now he's ready. Yeah, I, I don't think you're worried about Richardson necessarily, like you know, mentally off the field, you know, in, any of those things uh, whatsoever. Again, rookies will now leave Indy for a few days. They'll get back. I think it's a week from today, May 15th. Uh, then they'll be able to participate in 13 practices, 10 OTAs. And uh, three minicamp practices the rest of the spring. Just a couple other rookie notes. Uh, Juju Brents, the kid out of Warren Central, he is not participating due to that wrist injury. So that's a great opportunity for the other corners they drafted. Darius Rush in round five, Jalen Jones in round seven. They're going to get some chances here this spring to try and earn playing time. Certainly, Brents will have his chance once training camp rolls around. But still, you can't overlook you know, w- what impression those guys could potentially leave on the coaching staff here this spring. And I know a lot of people have interest in the local undrafted kid, Emil Echior out of Cathedral. Um, he dropped all the way from, boy, I think Dane Brugler, who we had on, I think he thought he was like a fourth-round pick, dropped all the way to going undrafted. Uh, Echior said it was due to a knee scope he had a couple of years ago. Um, and some teams, it sounded like, you know, kind of red-flagged him medically. Um, so I don't know if, you know, teams have questions about just his staying power in the league you know his whatever is he a five to seven year guy or do they feel like he's only like a three to four year guy um but Echior's 40 starts at Alabama and he's a guy that if that knee cooperates which you know he really didn't miss time at Alabama for that injury um he's gonna have a chance I think to not only make this team but potentially earn some playing time so I think of all the undrafted guys not just saying that because he's a local product. He's the one to watch, given I mean, that, the position that he plays and given the fact that he started 40 games at Alabama. Doesn't it just feel like a, a four-year starter at Alabama, just or a multi-year starter at Alabama just automatically plugs you in as an NFL prospect? Yeah, I would have assumed somebody took a chance on him, but, I mean, the entire league uh, decided to pass on him. So, um, again, he is the undrafted guy that I think will be a name to uh, to keep an eye on. I didn't the Colts have the record, Kevin? It, it may still be. A, I know last year it was snapped, but didn't they? Haven't they set the NFL record for most consecutive years with at least one undrafted free agent starting or playing a yeah, game? Yeah, it was. Boy, did it reach 23, 22, 23 straight years of at least one on the week one roster? Last year they 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 started back up. Um, I think it was snapped two years ago. Last year they had several undrafted guys. Uh, Dallas Flowers, of course, being one of them. 
uh, Wesley French being one of them. I think JoJo Doman was the other. So uh, they are back to having some sort of streak. And if you look at right guard and probably linebacker, I would say those are the two that you'd point to right now from a roster standpoint as positions that um, could have an undrafted guy make the team. There are some reports that the NFL schedule could be released later this week. Uh, potentially Thursday. I'll let you know my vacation then the day after. Night on that end. I know I always enjoy the schedule release. I know a lot of people are like, oh, just the NFL making another you know big deal out of an event. I just think from a logistics standpoint, like if you're if you're you as you just said, Jake, you you know plan around from a vacation standpoint. I mean, think about how many fans are like totally. Oh yeah, I want to map out what my fall and, looks and like. What are the road games this year? What it's two divisions? AFC North and NFC South. I want to so, say. NFC South, so you've got New Orleans, Tampa. These are potential road games, right? Do we know yet which ones are home and which yeah, are away? Yeah, we do. So New Orleans um, will be here. So the Saints are here That's and the Bucks are here. I have it in front of me. Falcons, Ravens, Panthers, Bengals, Patriots, and the division games are all They the got games. completely yeah. jobbed there, right? Because wouldn't you rather have, if you're a fan, wouldn't you rather go to New Orleans or... To Tampa, Tampa or Vegas, then to go, yeah, then to go to Carolina or Atlanta. It's the sixth straight year the Colts will play the Raiders. That's become like that an is, annual. It is amazing matchup again. Seventeen games on the schedule. We've now seen that for the last couple of years. The extra game this year. Last year the Colts' extra game was going to Minnesota, and that obviously ended in historic fashion. This year it will be the Rams coming to Lucas Oil Stadium. I would say the biggest marquee home game on the schedule. Boy, I Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. Unless I'm totally missing somebody, I I think any of those. These are your home quarterbacks. If 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 Levis or Stroud are playing, they're big games because people will be curious to see what they do. These are your home quarterbacks: Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, Trevor Lawrence, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Kenny Pickett, and then potentially C.J. Stroud and Will Levis. I mean, not, not a lot of marquee quarterbacks descending upon Lucas Oil. The Rams would have been the marquee game a year ago. Not so much this year, after the year they had. I don't think you have a single team coming to Lucas Oil this year that won double-digit games last year. No, you're not. I think Jacksonville is the best record at 9-8. Jacksonville and, I guess, Pittsburgh as well. You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Marcus Erickson is snaking around. Pato Ward and Tony Kanata are skulking with Felix Rosenquist. Marcus Erickson with a five-card length advantage. And the caution flag has come out to do an incident in turn number two, Mark. Marcus Erickson flies under the twin checkers. And he has achieved racing immortality. He wins the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. That's how it sounded a year ago. Marcus Erickson winning his first Indianapolis 500. That makes him the defending winner. And the year of the spoils about to come to an end because we're about to do it all over again. He joins us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline and currently the points leader in the NTT IndyCar Series. Marcus, first, thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Going well. Uh, I think everybody around here just kind of has a little jolt, right? Because it's the month of May and everybody knows, you know, starts to ramp up with the Grand Prix this weekend. And then we turn to the 107th Indy 500. I want to begin with this. When you hear that from a year ago and you're going into turn, really coming through turn three and all of a sudden Sage Karam hits the wall in two, 
what went through your mind as soon as you looked down and you realized that you're under caution? And do you think those guys behind you had enough to be able to catch up on that final lap? So what went through my mind that like instant when the caution came on that last lap was I, I screamed out some bad swear words because I thought it was going to be, it meant it was another restart. But then, you know, very quickly I realized, no, this is, the, this is it. This is why fly. We're going to the checkered here. So that, uh, that anger changed to, to an explosion of emotions instead of, of, of you know, happiness and, and, and all what came with it. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought when I when, when when I managed to hold off past there into turn one on the white flag, uh, I, I thought that was it because he had the lift and he lost a lot of momentum. So I thought it was it. But obviously, as we've seen many many times in in the in the five hundred and in the car, you can never be sure until you go under that checkered flag. So uh, yeah, it was a very intense uh, restart and last couple laps there. Okay, well, let's go back, if you don't mind, Marcus, maybe a few laps even prior to that. Uh, when the red flag came out, were there more bad words? The, yeah, the, the, it was definitely a lot of bad words <laughs> coming out of my mouth there because, you know, I had that three-second gap, and it was pretty stable, and I felt like my car that day was, was so fast, and, and you know, we, we I managed to get myself there in position. We got some lappers in between us, and then, had that gap and he was counting down the laps, counting down every corner, every lap. And I, I felt like I had it covered. And then, yeah, that yellow came and then, you know, red flag. And it was, um, it was all to play for again. So that was very, very frustrating. But during that red flag, you know, I sort of turned it around with a lot of help from my team uh, on the radio, but turned around to, to seeing the opportunity and then, you know, seeing it as another test to, that I had to go through to, to be a Indy 500 champion. You know, it's funny, Marcus, and we've probably talked about this maybe even last year, but now we can advance it a little bit. Quite frankly, going into last year's race, there was so much talk about each of your teammates, right? I mean, you had the veteran Tony Kanaan, you had Scott Dixon, who was unbelievably fast. You had Jimmy Johnson and, and all of that storyline. And Marcus Erickson was kind of the car out of that stable that we didn't talk about as much and yet you were the most consistent for the entire length of the race you were you know you were top five top six the entire race basically and you end up winning it now you go from going kind of off that radar a little bit to a focal point i mean here we are you're the first driver that we reached out to to have on to kick us off for the month of may because you're the defending winner and that's going to be the case does it feel different than a year ago it, it felt very different. I think it, it's funny you say that because that was the thing last year. I had such a strong lineup with teammates, and it was all the focus was on uh, was on them. It felt like even though we, you know, in the eighth car, I think we were top eight or something every single session uh, the whole month. Uh, we were so consistently up there, and, and like you said, the race as well, running in the top five or six the whole the whole day. So. We were definitely there, but yeah, people didn't maybe take notice, which uh, which was was fun in its own way. Uh, but yeah, this, this year obviously is going to be very different coming in as the defending champion. But on top of that, also the points leader now going into the month of May. So it's um, yeah, it, it's a lot more attention. But uh, I enjoy it. I've had such a blast these last you know twelve months of, of being the defending five hundred champion. Got to do so many cool things and. I've seen, you know, back home in Sweden for sure. I've had a lot of support and, and following, but but now here in the states as well, and in in India and Indianapolis, it's it's a lot of 
fans that comes up and wishing me luck for the month and, and for the season and it's uh, yeah that feels great so i'm i'm just uh, super excited to be back at the speedway and be here as, as defending champion it's gonna be so special so i'm just gonna try and enjoy every single moment moment of it whilst at the same time you know trying to defend that title of course be a week from tomorrow. Practice will begin for the Oval. Obviously, coming up on Saturday, you have the GMR Grand Prix uh, before things shift to the two-and-a-half-mile Oval coming up here next week. Marcus Erickson with us on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Marcus, you kind of brought it up there, and I'm curious, over the past year, I saw you were just at the Kentucky Derby, so I'm sure that probably ranks somewhat high on the list, but maybe what is the coolest event or the coolest person you have met here in the last year in celebrating your Indy 500 victory? Uh, it's, it's been so many cool uh, moments and then, you know, uh, things that I got to experience these last 12 months. Uh, but if I have to, like, pick one thing, it was when I got back to my hometown of Kumla, Sweden. We brought the Borg Warner Trophy all the way over to Sweden. And we were doing, my hometown was throwing this event on the on the city square uh, in middle of November. And Sweden in the middle of November is not a very happy place it's dark and cold and you know it's uh yeah it's not the best time of the year there but i got uh you know pretty much all the city it was ten thousand people in city square in a city that's less than twenty thousand, and and people were there on the city square celebrating me and my win and 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 that was just uh incredible to do that you know at home properly at home that was something that's uh i'm never gonna forget that and that was uh extremely special to me how was the derby the derby was amazing. It was really fun. Uh, we we were there just over the day. Uh, the number eight horse won, and I cannot <laughs> believe I didn't bet on it. It was it's a complete brain freeze there <laughs> from my side. So, but I hey, I take it as a good sign for the month ahead. You know, sure. if the number eight horse won, I'm, I'm betting on the number eight horse for for the five hundred <laughs> in a couple of weeks. Marcus, I thought you had a really interesting tweet. Marcus Erickson, by the way, is our guest on the Paleosikers Hotline. Let me tell you one of the things I think is really cool, and it kind of ties into a tweet you had. I understand, and I respect the fact that a lot of drivers, you came from a Formula One background, you had been in Formula One, you come over to IndyCar, and I think a lot of drivers don't sh- grasp the enormity of the Indy 500 until they're in it. You know, I know that you know of the Indy 500, but the first time you go into turn one and the full stands and the track feels like it's narrowed and you understand the true scope of of the race you sent the following tweet yesterday while everybody was talking about formula one in miami it quote i know every race can't be a classic but imagine if all the people watching f1 today would give indycar a chance we always have a minimum of two to three stops with different strategies refueling push to pass instead of drs plenty of teams and drivers that can win each weekend it's fun i promise the thing i love about that you live in indianapolis now you have embraced Indianapolis and the race itself. You go to fuel games. You're out and about within the community. What is it about this community and that race that has drawn you in now to recruiting people towards it as opposed to longing to go back to F1? Uh, I think it's many things, to be honest with you. It's uh, it's like you said. It's, it's very true what you said there. I came to, to America, and I knew about the 500. I think everyone in the whole world knows about the 500 to some extent, but I didn't really know about it until, you know, until you experience it. I think you can't – it's hard to explain it to someone. And for me, you know, coming in 19 for my first 500, it completely blew me away. Uh, I, I, I thought it was going to be like any other – big race that we have 
you know, I'd done in Formula One, but it was just completely unique. Uh, and I think it's because of the the history of the race, the speeds we're doing, the the sort of what it means to the community, not only the racing community, but the whole of Indianapolis and Indiana, I feel like. And, and all those things, the competition, and all those things, the build-up, it sort of adds up to it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the 500 is, is unique in, in the sporting world, in the racing world, for sure. And, and I think it's a race that everyone has to experience. And, and when they do, I think a lot of them will fall in love with it. So, and so yeah, that, that's my feeling around the 500. Going back to your tweet there, I think it was, you know, it's a good example of, you know, I think Formula One, I'm, I'm not trying to, to sort of talk down about Formula One. I don't think that's the, the, the reason or that's what we should do. I'm just trying to say, hey, look at that boom around Formula One now. Everyone is talking Formula One. In, in the world now, the interest has been going up so much the last few years. And we have IndyCar, which I think is a better product on the racing side. And I just wish more people would tune in and watch it and give it a chance. Because I think if they do, they will fall in love with IndyCar. I could not agree more. I turned it off after five laps. To be totally honest with you, Marcus, I'm like, this product uh, is nothing like what I'm used to with IndyCar. Okay, last one for me, uh, Marcus. Uh, let's fast forward a couple of Sundays. Let's say you have the lead. Let's throw out maybe lap 190, okay? You're coming down the straightaway. You've got the lead. It's lap 190. Give me two names of guys you would not want to see immediately in your rearview mirror if you had the lead and guys are in second and third right behind you. Oh, that's that's hard. I think there's that's the cool thing with IndyCar, right? There's so many good drivers and teams out there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know who to pick really. I think it's going to be really, you know, a strong, strong, so many strong t- teams and drivers this year. I think my my teammates, you know, we have a dream team this year with with Taco, Dixon, Palu, and me. You know, that's that's a really strong lineup and. Either one of them is behind me. I know they're going to race me fair, but I know they're going to give me a hard time to to win that race. So, yeah, I'll say one of those guys. Marcus, last thing for me. um, I'm pretty sure, I can't remember when it was, sometime in the last week, I was driving up college, I think. It was either college or Mass Ave. It might have been Mass Ave. And I thought, well, I think that's Marcus Erickson walking down the street. And I think you had on flip-flops with jeans. Um, And I thought, okay, he's still bringing a little bit of Europe here. That's cool. But... It, it, it that's when it really hit me that you you're a part of Indy now. You live here. Um, what is your favorite part about living in Indianapolis? And do you feel now that you're a Hoosier? I think I must have a lookalike because I don't I, I don't wear flip flop and jeans. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I'm glad because I was worried about it to be honest. So I was like, man, that is so Euro. Like like I don't know. I was like, that's not a good look. So I'm glad it wasn't you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but yeah, I, I um, no, I enjoy. Like I said, I I've been here, you know, since 2019. I moved here, you know, pretty much full time. I spend at least ten ten months of the year now in in Indianapolis. Uh, live up in Carmel, and uh, I I love it. Me me and my wife, we 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 love it here, and um, we we're actually looking for houses at the moment. At the end of the season, we we want to move into a house, so. Uh, I, I really feel like this is home for me and, and for us now, and, and, and I really enjoy it. You know, it's uh, the racing capital of the world, in my opinion, and it's just yeah, it's just a great place to live. So I, I really hope to stay here for many, many years to come. Marcus, last, last thing. I know it's just one day. Did you learn anything about what we might expect on race day at the Oval Test a few weeks ago? Uh, I, I think... Uh, 
the added downforce that we have this year should make the racing a bit better again. Uh, I think it was a little bit easier to follow closely uh, on, on that open test. And we will see a bit more, you know, when we get going here next week, obviously. But uh, I thought it was promising. You know, it hasn't changed uh, things a ton, which is good for us since we were so strong as a team last year. But uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's added a little bit uh, to the racing, hopefully. So, yeah, it should be exciting. A guy that thankfully does not wear flip-flops with his jeans, but will be in the car on Friday, this Friday, because practice and qualifying for... The GMR Grand Prix, which will take place at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the road course on Saturday. That is a fabulous fan-friendly, uh, family-friendly event, I should say, if you want to bring kids out on the viewing mounds. It's great. Very accessible. And then, of course, everything shifts to the 107th Indianapolis 500 with practice next week. Marcus, we wish you the best of luck for a very safe month and appreciate the time this morning. Look forward to seeing you out there. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Another good-looking morning here in Indianapolis. Although yesterday, I guess, wasn't really that. God, there's a ton of thunder. Saturday night into Sunday morning, but temp's supposed to be pretty good all week long. We'll have Doug Bowles join us. I have not looked as far ahead to Saturday. Jake, have you taken a gander? at? I'd assume the walk-up attendance would be pretty important for Saturday's race. Yeah, for sure it is. And, you know, I'm going to go back to if – if you are someone with smaller children that you want to introduce to the Speedway, I do think that the Grand Prix is a great opportunity to do it because it's a little more open. There's no, it's not as crowded. It's a lot more family. You know, you can go to the viewing mounds with kids, things like that. Um, I'm looking at the forecast here for Saturday, 30% chance of rain, high of 83. I, I think every day this time of year is 30% chance of rain, right? Yeah, something I've thought about is – Potentially bringing the crew out for Saturday. 3.30 green flag. And then Sunday we'll get practice and um, quals as well coming up. So Doug Bull is going to join us here in a few. Um, Have you been to the Grand Prix, Kevin? Yeah, I remember told the story that one time about how freezing it was. Okay. Then we yeah. saw Ellie Golding and she just, she just th- threw up the white flag after about five or six songs. That's right. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Liquors guest line, he is the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I have to say, Doug Bowles, one of the highlights this year for me, because it's always a cool and fun event. But it was pretty cool for me once we got back running again or walking or whatever pace we were doing to turn around to Motman. And I said, hey, man, how many people can say that they've gotten their picture taken kissing the bricks by the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway who wasted no time hopping over the wall when we ran into you during the many you're standing right there on the start finish and you and I made eye contact and said, hey what's up and we you know two minutes of, of or two seconds of greeting and you said hey you need a picture yeah and you hopped right over the wall it's pretty awesome man it's a fun time on Saturday yeah, I had a great time Saturday. I started out early in the morning. I got to wave the green flag to get the 5K going, so I was down there about 5.30 hanging out with folks. And then uh, once uh, once the 5K got going, I ran over to the finish because my nephew actually won the 5K, which was cool. I saw that. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was really, really cool. And then uh, and then I ran back to – I didn't run. I drove to the racetrack and stood on the wall there at start finish line and yelled and screamed and encouraged people as they came through, and you were one of those folks that came through, so – we jumped off the wall and got you a shot uh, right there at the Yard of Bricks, which was fun. It's a great event, man. And it's such a cool way to kick off the month, Doug. And, and I think the thing that I love about it 
is, you know, here we are now, right? I mean, the the wait's over. Yes, I know May 1st, we say May is here, but now things really start to kick into gear. So take me through this week at IMS, what you're doing in preparation, and then what people can look forward to this weekend. Well, for me right now, I've been out at the racetrack since about 6 this morning in a pair of uh, yucky old pants and a T-shirt getting my camper set up because this will be my home for a lot of the month of May. So hopefully get that done here in the next 25 minutes or so. But we're uh, just in preparation mode for sure, making sure curbs are painted, you know, all of our tire wall, all the tire wall covers, you know, just making sure we're we're buttoned up, get the grass going. We've got a lot of sod that we put down over the last uh, several weeks, so just making sure we get – enough water on that because that's going to soon get cars and people on top of it uh but really just getting getting everything pre- prepared to start moving uh transporters in and teams in and we got that first the first test actually on uh on thursday when the uh the cars and the drivers that want to be in the ntt indycar series will be out here testing before we go open to the public on friday he's doug bowles president of speedway join us every monday here during the month of may Doug, I, I probably asked this question because of my golf background, but the Masters and Augusta National, just the whole aura of that place um, is always fascinating to me and how there's so much of that place that literally doesn't get touched the other 51 weeks out of the year. And I know that you guys hold other events, of course, but I'm curious, like, how much of the property would you say is only focused for the 500? Well, there's a significant part that's only for the 500, and some of it really only for race day. If you think about, you know, turn three, that area really only gets used on race day. So so we uh, have a significant portion of it. They're only used for the Indy 500 race day. Um, you know, everything on the front stretch, um, inside, you know, inside turn one, that whole area is used really all year long. And then uh, a variety of it's only used a handful of days. So turn four, for example, doesn't get a lot of, activity all year turn two gets even less and then turn three like i said is this really used for race day so we we structure the way we winterize things as well as the way we bring them out of the winter based on how how useful they are during the rest of the year so for example we'll start winterizing in june the areas in turn three that we're not going to probably use again until next may so mm-hmm. so that that's an all-year process getting ready for indiana winter here Doug, a couple of things I wanted to go over, and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. Doug Bowles is our guest, the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, if you don't know this answer off the top of your head, then can you let me know where people will be able to find this information? And the first one, which is a big one, and I know you know it's a big one, um, what is the the size limitation for people with coolers? Because I'm going to mention this like 50 yeah. times between now and race day. So it's 14 by 14 by 18. So uh, most, you know, you, most coolers fit inside that dimension. So, so 14 by 14 by 18 um, is really the size you're looking for when you come in. You know, we announced uh, Friday that when everybody comes in through any of our pedestrian gates this year for the first time ever, you'll actually walk through a metal detector. It's called Open Gate System. We're excited about it because you don't have to open your coolers. You don't have to take anything out of your pockets. You can just walk right through. So just as long as the cooler is that size, you should be in pretty good shape. And and cans inside coolers don't uh, don't trigger the don't trigger the uh, metal detectors. Um, you know, obviously other things will, uh, but uh, fourteen by fourteen by eighteen, and you'll be in good shape. Okay, and then the um, the other question was, in terms of tickets, and my apologies if you already mentioned this, are, because people ask me this all the time, Doug, and I'm sure they do you as well. Hey, how can I get tickets? Are there still tickets available to buy from the IMS ticket office? 
Yeah, there's still tickets available from from IMS ticket office uh, and just IMS.com or 317-492-8500 if you want to talk to a live person. Um, but they're uh, <laughs> they're diminishing by the day, and you know if you want to if you know you're coming and you want good seats and you don't want to pay secondary ticket pricing, uh, my suggestion is you uh, you get online and buy them today. Speaking of secondary ticket pricing, we just learned uh, last week we've had a couple customers come in with parking passes that they purchased on the secondary market that have been counterfeited. So we're encouraging people not to buy any parking passes on uh, the secondary ticket market because there's definitely someone out there who is making counterfeited parking passes. Uh, we're getting folks, that it, and they look like them, actually, when you get them. So if you bought something on the secondary market that's a parking pass and you want to you validate whether or not it's real, please call the ticket office. And then in the meantime, just don't buy parking passes online. Um, Doug, over the weekend, Formula One started using it was brought to my attention i'm sure it was to you as well the greatest spectacle in motorsports they were calling it did that raise the ears of people at so, 16th and georgetown yeah, yeah they actually started using that um they actually started using that um earlier and we actually reached out to our friends at, For- at liberty and at formula one and they agreed not to use it uh, and it was really more specific related to to vegas where we had the problem so this is the first time we've heard it related to Miami, so we will definitely be calling our friends there again, and, and they've agreed that it is our IP and that they, that they aren't going to use it. So I'm not sure exactly how it got. I, I heard it was used in uh, in the pre-race. A couple of folks actually mentioned it. So I, I haven't seen it in their marketing materials, which they've agreed uh, isn't, their, isn't their mark, and they leave it alone. So we're, we'll follow up this week and make sure they – if they want to, I'm excited that F1's here. But go make, you know, go build your own IP. Go, go build your own 114 years of, of existence and not steal ours. Uh, Doug Bull is president of Speedway with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Doug, any changes um, pre-race, whether it's like order of activities or, you know, for the most part, I feel like over the last few years we've been, you know, pretty pretty consistent. But anything for the 500 pre-race that will be different this year. No, I think we're going to be pretty much the same. I mean, that's part of what everybody expects when they come in. They want that pre-race to be that cadence uh, that they've expected for quite a long time. We've messed with things occasionally here and there, like we'll we'll move a song around or you know um, try and try and change a little bit of it. But for the most part, it's all sort of the the same cadence that folks have the folks have been just used to for several years, and and we're going to keep it that way. I mean, it's kind of what makes us special. And then green flag, what twelve? Is it like twelve forty ish now? Twelve twelve forty ish. Okay. And then uh, what's next on our announcement calendar? I mean, obviously you got a lot of things road course this week, but w- w- what should we be looking for next week from an announcement standpoint? Uh, well, we haven't talked about who our grand marshal is going to be yet. That'll be coming up. Uh, pace car. Um, I'm not sure I'm supposed to say this, but pace car will get announced tomorrow. Um, so we start working through, uh, you know, get start working through a lot of those those items here uh, coming up pretty soon. You want to give us a hint on the pace car? Well, it's going to be a Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the human being uh, inside. Uh, we're not going to do. Uh, we'll do pace car driver later. Um, okay, but just tomorrow's just pace car. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, Doug Bowles is our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. The president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, who is currently uh, pitching a tent right, right in the infield. Is that right, Doug? Just putting a tent yeah, up. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I'm just getting all set up. It's a camper. It's not a tent, um, <laughs> but it's certainly not a it's not a driver motorhome. I bring the driver owner a lot. Uh, uh, value down and i keep waiting for the homeowners association to have a, that's right 
to have a meeting to figure out how to kick kick Doug, Doug and Beth Bowles out. Bringing down the property value of the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this before we let you go, Doug, and I appreciate your time, but it, when you look back, like each year, if you look back at, at fan preparation for the Indianapolis 500, what's the one thing that you think, you know what, that that's the one area that we need to do a better job of getting the fan educated on coming into it to make for a better experience for everybody? Is there one area that you wish people would be more aware of to prepare themselves for getting to be able to experience fully the race itself? No, I think the biggest thing for me is just making sure that, that they're – prepared for the second largest city in the state of Indiana to literally be inside the racetrack. And that does present traffic problems that we just can't solve. You know, we do the best we can last year. There are some issues that were self-inflicted that I think will, that will fix, especially on the inbound side. But if you're in the middle of the epicenter, people love to park in the infield, but if you park in the in- the closer you park to the speedway, the longer it will take you to get out. It's just a factor of 325,000 people leaving at, the- leaving at the same time. And, and when you're in the center, it's the hardest to get out. So just patience is the biggest thing I remind people and know that we're doing everything we can to make it as quick as possible. But all it really takes is one accident at one intersection somewhere, and that backs up the entire system. It just bleeds through the system. There's nothing you can do about it. A few years ago when we got people out early, or when the race was over and the, and lightning came, when lightning comes, all the police officers have to get in their car, and they're in their car for 20 or 30 minutes, and that that also backs things up. So it's just it's really difficult to make traffic work, and uh, I know when you're sitting in your car, it's really frustrating, and, and, and uh, just know that uh, we're on the ninth floor of the Pagoda doing everything we can to work with law enforcement to make it easy, but patience is the biggest thing I ask. Each time we have you, Doug, people text me with questions for you, and a lot of them are good questions, so I, did, I probably should squeeze this last one in since we're coming up sure. on the Grand Prix. Uh, Jake, can you please ask Doug if they're going to allow RV camping inside the track for the Grand Prix this year? We are not for this year. Now, the good news is I think for next year we will have it back. So our first real opportunity to park, to camp in the infield, this year is going to be our new camping lot inside Turn 4 that we're putting together, uh, and we'll debut it for the IMSA race in September. But my guess is for next year we would then we would then allow that for for fans for the Grand Prix. It'll it'll host about 160 RVs slash campers inside Turn Four. A new spectator mound in there, which will make it great, as well as a new video board uh, that'll that'll play to the folks that sit on the spectator mound at the at the chicane, but also for everybody in the camping lot. So, fingers crossed. If everything goes well in September, we'll be offering that for the 2024 Grand Prix. All right, Doug. I assume plenty of walk ups. You you will welcome uh, coming up Friday and Saturday. Absolutely. You know, for the most part, every day walk-up is, is an option. I, I'm concerned about race day for this year's 500, so if you're planning on going, I'd, I'd encourage that you, you get those tickets. But everything else, if you get up one morning and say, hey, I want to come to Speedway, and the other thing to remember with a GA ticket, any, anybody under 15, uh, 15 and under, uh, actually get in free. So if you get up in the morning, you want to bring the kids to, the, to a practice or even to the GMR Grand Prix, come grab a GA ticket and bring a whole carload of 15 and unders, and they're free. Again, temperature-wise, looks outstanding coming up this weekend. Hopefully, we'll dodge the rain and everything will go off without a glitch. Doug, good luck with Although the camper. Last year, the, last year, the rain was great. The rain made yeah, the race it was. fantastic. Some that's great right. drama. That's the, beauty, that's the beauty of the GMR Grand Prix is we can run in the rain. And last year, the, the rain, the, the dry to rain, back to dry, back to rain, made for a fantastic race. And and uh, so if it's going to rain any day, it can rain. That's the that's the day I'm okay with it. Yeah, great, great theater and entertainment last year at the Grand Prix. All right, uh, good luck finishing everything camper-wise, and we'll talk to you next Monday. All right, thanks so much, guys.